0: Good morning and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, December 9th, 2012. My name is Leah and I am your moderator for this morning. Today's topic is Step 5, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. In Step 5, we examine the information we found in Step 4 and make sure it is the truth. We try to improve on the truth we found to get a better quality of truth. Step five is an evaluation of the inventory in an attempt to get a better look at the information we gathered in the inventory process. Essentially, we don't rely on the information as we see it. We need the help of another. Here to speak with us today on their experience with step five are two recovered compulsive overeaters, Monica and Marcia have so graciously joined us this morning, and it is my pleasure now to turn the meeting over to our first speaker, Monica. Good morning, Monica.
1: Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you so very much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater and a privilege to be here with you all this morning. Thank you, God. And uh, I was asked to um, speak on um, Step 5 here today. And first I will give you a little bit of um, of Monica's history and um, then speak a little bit about um, Step 5. Monica is a Compulsive Silver Eater. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I have been a compulsive overeater since a little girl, and my story is very similar to most everybody probably listening on this line this morning. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in um, the oldest child of, of three in a in a very um, uh, dysfunctional family. Um, I was. Uh, um uh, born to a compulsive overeating mother and a workaholic father and um it was uh you know not a real not much love or joy in that household and um love uh food was uh was a comfort thing food was love from way back in the beginning it was the only form of love i think that my mother was capable of showing and there was plenty of food um because she was very much a compulsive overeater herself and uh, uh when she was 30 years old and when i was 10 years old my mother died it um it was uh, a relief for me um, when this happened because she had been a very 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 sick lady in all ways and so uh, after this i was the uh, oldest girl the only girl and so i became the uh, mother of the family or the whatever and um, now there was no control over the eating of what I ate, when I ate, how much I ate, I was in total control of this. And to say the least, our eating uh, was uh, not very um, nutritionally sound. Uh, there were a few things I could make. And um, anyway, so, I, at, so at age 10, um, I'm sure I really started putting on a lot of weight after that. at at that age and on, because it was very poor eating habits. And I can remember even back then um, being a compulsive overeater, eating compulsively, um, binging, um, eating large amounts of food in a short period of time. Three years later, my youngest brother was killed in a car. Um, He was hit, sliding. And that just devastated my dad and our family. Um, he was eight years old at the time, and um, I can remember seeing a picture of myself sitting on a car after the funeral, and I am, I am quite a large young woman at the age of 13. Um, so food and eating definitely were used for comfort, um, I, and um, it showed. It showed. And so I have the, the continued on story of, uh, you know, di- learning diets, going on a diet. So at age 13, I went to my family doctor and we were talking in the 60s here. And so my family doctor gave me diet pills. So at the age of 13, I started with diet pills. And I did have a little bit of, you know, they helped some, and they would work for, you know, you know what diet pills do. They work for a few days, and then they don't work. But anyway, I was able to, to um, lose some weight, and I went through high school at probably around a hundred and weighing around in the one forties, so I was still overweight, but I wasn't. The fattest girl in the class. There was one more poor girl who was. But I was still, you know, one of the biggest kid, g- girls there. And do you remember those awful green gym, one piece uniforms, jumpsuits, whatever? Those ugly things. You had, you know, you're being a fat girl trying to get into one of those things. And gym, oh, anyway, such memories, such memories but I did manage to stay around that size um, so I think I was probably a 14 in high school and um, you know I was more active in doing things and so I did um, stay around that size for those four years of high school I then went off to nursing school and um, I went on a starvation diet while I was in nursing school and uh, It was probably, you know, uh, a little bit of anorexia was going on there, and I just really hadn't thought about that before. But anyway, I starved myself. I ate very little. I did get down and lost uh, quite a bit of weight, and I remember that my graduation uniform was a size 10. And um, I graduated, I got my first job in a hospital, and almost immediately the weight started coming back on because, you know, I'm a compulsive overeater. I could only do these things for a certain length of time, and then I would start eating again. And so here I am, a new nurse, young nurse, and I can remember I would go into the kitchen where we would bring the food trays after the meals that were still left around that the kitchen people hadn't picked up the dietary and I would go into that kitchen and I would look through those trays and I would see if there was any food and I would eat food off the trays I would eat food the patients hadn't eaten I would go down there and I would raid the crackers I would eat whatever you know so the crazy insane eating was Flared its head, and this is very much a progressive disease. And over the years, my experience was that this just got worse and worse and worse because it is a progressive disease. So I uh, put most, put all my weight back on, and so here I am in my early twenties. I headed off to Florida on a big adventure, and I met my husband down here. We got married, and between our wedding uh, day around Thanksgiving time and the first of the year, I think I put on like 15 pounds. So the first of the year, 1975, was my first experience, my first walking into Weight Watchers. And um, that was new and something different. I'd never done anything like that before, an organized thing, uh, 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 you know, an established food plan, and I did well. Um, I did well, and I lost uh, approximately 30 pounds, I guess, um, in, I don't know, let's say six months' time. Yeah, because I... um, did reach goal my very first time with Weight Watchers, so I became a lifetime member. But remember how you had to do six weeks of maintenance before you could get your lifetime membership? Well, it was not a pretty sight. Monica was binging and starving that whole six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, I guess I did manage to be within two pounds of my goal to get that lifetime membership. And so... I I did have that under my belt but it was nothing to be proud of and of course the weight just started coming back on and then I spent years and years and years doing that over and over again. Going to Weight Watchers or going to some other uh, club, um, you know, losing the weight, getting close to goal and either I would reach goal and start binging or I would get close to goal and I would start binging again and you know i was extremely unhappy with all this this was the bone here this was uh, the um um bane of my life my weight this eating uh, not being able to to stay um at a normal size i was either starving or binging um And I cried a lot. My poor husband, he he didn't know what to do with me. You know, it was one minute it would be okay. I'm on this diet and I'm going to follow this and I'm going to be good. And don't you tempt me with anything or bring anything in. And I'm, you know, I'm sticking to this, you know, all my resolve. And then I might turn around and say to him, would you go get me this at the store? Poor man, he didn't know what to do with me. And I didn't know what to do with myself either. And this just continued on for years and years and years. And each time, of course, I would gain more weight. And instead of 30 pounds, it was then 40 pounds. And then it was 50 pounds. And then it was 60 pounds. And then it was 70 pounds. And then it was 80 pounds. And, of course, it would just get worse. And my thinking got worse. And my despair would get worse i um and so what happened? What happened? I got desperate, I got miserable I got scared um two thousand and one I had managed to um have to lose weight, and I had kept off like about fifty pounds for a couple of years. I still had weight to lose, but I was, you know, I was pretty pleased with myself. Hey, I've taken off 50 pounds here. And I, uh, and then things just fell apart. Once again, things fell apart and nothing was working. I went back to Weight Watchers and that lasted 10 days. And um, I was just back in the food again. I had been seeing a therapist and um that didn't, you know, that didn't do it for me either and and she left town so she was gone and that put me in a tizzy. I tried medication. Um and some of that seemed to help a little bit, but that and then it didn't help. Yeah. So here I am in the fall of 2001 and uh, the weight is coming back in a hurry. And I was doing crazy things again that I had not been doing for a while, you know, raiding the bakery, eating in the car, um, you know, eating half the groceries, putting them, putting them away, or coming home from grocery shopping and having to taste everything I bought. Um, you know, and I did all this in hiding. My husband did not see me do this. I was a sneak eater. I did it in hiding. You didn't see how much I ate. No one did. But it was quite obvious. I mean, all you had to do was look at me. And so here I am. I'm back over 200 pounds. The weight is coming back on in a hurry, and nothing is working. I am scared to death. What am I going to do? And the thought crossed my mind about OA. My therapist had said way back in the spring, she said to me one day, what about OA, Monica? Well, I said to her, I've been there, done that. I tried that back in the early 80s. It didn't work. But you know, she planted a seed. And that thought came to me, well, maybe I ought to look into OA again. And so I went online and I looked for a meeting. And by this time, I've been working in a hospital, and um, lo and behold, there was a meeting in the very hospital that I had been working at for five years, and I didn't have a clue it was there. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. And so I went to my first meeting. It was a Monday night. There was only three or four people there, and but they gave me hope. I heard my story. I related to these people I wasn't alone you know this was nice a little fellowship going on here and they told me go to Orlando there's some huge meetings down there with a lot of recovery and so on Thursday night I did I went to a big meeting and I sat there and decided okay I'm gonna pick a sponsor before I leave this meeting tonight and there were a lot of, um, of people with recovery there and it was wonderful And um, I prayed to God and said, help me pick somebody. And before that meeting ended, I walked up to a lady and I asked her to be my sponsor. And she said yes, and I was amazed. And so she and I started working through the steps. And I have to tell you all that I worked the steps to a certain point, and then I stopped. I did not continue. Now, God had blessed me that first night I walked into OA. He blessed me with abstinence. I walked out of that room abstinence. And he gave me a honeymoon period of about 18 months. And I did start working the steps in there, but I quit. I stopped working them. So you know what happened. I lost the, you know, the uh, the abstinence uh, went out the window. And then it was a period of, you know, trying to get back on, on the wagon, trying to, you know, I'd have a few weeks of abstinence and I'd pick up. I'd have a few weeks of abstinence and I'd pick up. And this went on for um, a few years. And then three years ago, um, in 2009, so I'll go on almost on four years, I went to a meeting with, with my sponsor. We went to a new meeting. And it was a big book step study meeting. And this meeting was different We studied the big book. I heard a recovered person speak and I heard other recovered people speaking and sharing on that step. And I was amazed. It was powerful. I was here in recovery. I was here in solution. And they told me that if I wanted this, it was mine. God would give it to me if I would work these steps. And they also it's promised in the big book on page 84. After the ninth step promises there, there's a couple of sentences that say, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They will always materialize if we work for them. And that gave me great hope. And they were telling me, and those first 100 recovered people that wrote the big book were telling me that, Monica, if you do this work, you can have recovery, too. And so I hung on to that, and I started doing the work. I started going through the steps. So when I came to step one, it was pretty obvious to me that I was powerless over my food. And I was a crazy woman. In the doctor's opinion, I learned that I had a disease. I had a twofold disease. I had a physical aspect. Which is the allergy of the body that if I pick up a binge food I will develop the phenomenon of craving and I will eat I will be craving and I will eat and I will continue eating and this is my experience until I've either run out of food or my stomach is so full I hurt and I cannot move And every time that Monica picked up a binge food, this is what would happen to her. I would be off on a binge, on a roller coaster, and who knows when I would stop. And then it also tells about the obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of my disease. And my mind would tell me, Monica, it's going to be different this time. You can pick that up today. You've been good for three weeks. It'll be different. You'll be able to have just one. You'll be able to control it. And you know, it was never different because if I picked it up, I would be right back on the roller coaster again. And so I started working the steps, and I'm learning all this information about my, about my disease and this was a relief too to learn that I had a physical aspect but it wasn't just all in my mind so what do you do about that physical aspect I was told Monica identify your binge foods and you have to put them in a box and you don't touch them no matter what you do not touch them And I was told, you know, you've done this before. Every time you've started a new diet, you've put foods down, and you can do this. And this is action that you need to do, and you can do this. God expects you to take actions. Now, God is all-powerful, and he will be able to help you with the obsession of the mind that you have totally nothing that you can do against this, my willpower, wasn't big enough against it, all my determination didn't work against it, all the willingness, all my wanting, I couldn't fight it. It would win every time. That crazy idea that this was just the best thing I had for a thought in a long time that it would be different, okay, this time was was um, killing me. And so I got very... Um, Serious with working through the steps, with the process. I was told to start and end my day with prayer. Start my day on my knees with prayer. End my day with prayer and gratitude. And realize that each day that I had an abstinent day, to think at the end of that day, wow, what a miracle. God has been working with me here. He has given me a miracle here today to start thinking and realizing this, that I'm working on developing a relationship here with God. And that's the whole process of, of working through these steps. And the reason for working through the steps is to develop this, pro- this relationship with God, with my higher power, because he can do for me what I could never do for myself. He's more powerful than this obsession of my mind. And he's proven it to me over and over again that when I trust and rely on him, life is so much better. So then we got into step four. And step four was doing my writing, my, my moral inventory, doing a s- searching, fearless, moral inventory of myself, the way it's written in the big book following the big book for my instructions. And I did a lot of writing. And this is part, the first action step, step four, of cleaning my house. And so I worked on my fourth step, and I did a lot of writing, going through my house and cleaning my house, finding all this stuff out about myself. Where was I selfish? Where was I dishonest? What was I frightened of? Who had I harmed? How had I been self-seeking? You know, Monica would have told you that she was a very honest person and that I was not um, an angry person, that I didn't hold on to resentment, you know? But Monica learned... A whole new side of herself here. When doing this writing, I saw God showed me that yes, I had been very dishonest. You know, we're not talking just—we're not talking cash register honest here. We're talking honesty with my mind, my thinking, my actions, what I did, what I didn't do, and this was brought to light. And self-seeking—you know—how did I retaliate? What did I do when I felt these resentments? Well, I did a lot of criticizing and judging in my head. I withdrew from you. I gossiped about you. I might have lied about you. Those all kinds of things that Monica did. And this was all brought to light with this writing. And so why are we doing this, cleaning our house? Well, you know, the um, uh, 100 recovered alcoholics tell us we have to do this that resentment and fears are our biggest problems and so cleaning my house doing this writing i learned about all these resentments and then the fear inventory you know i would have told you i wasn't a fear a fearful person you know i was a strong woman i had raised myself and raised my brothers i had been successful at everything i wanted to do in my life except my weight and that i wasn't fearful <laughs> well the joke was on me because in doing this writing i learned a whole different story there that i was that i did have a lot a lot of fears and in the fear inventory i learned to look at these fears i learned to also look and at if i trusted and relied on god how would I behave differently with these fears? What would I do different if I prayed and asked God to relieve me of these fears? What would he tell me to do if I had this fear again? And then my sex inventory. I wrote that all out too. So now I've done all this writing and I've been cleaning my house with this writing and now I'm at step five. And at step five, Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And when I was um, looking at this last night, you know how God is constantly revealing more to us? I read this and I admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And all of a sudden this to ourselves just really popped up at me. Wow, well, Monica, yeah, you know, um, I, I did, I was. This was shown to me by doing this step, that Monica had been all these things. And I was finally admitting this. And so this is step two, step six, or step five, I mean, is the second part of our cleaning house. And, and the chapter is into action, so here I've got to take some more actions here. And now I'm going to have to um, give this moral inventory, my four-step inventory, this writing. I am told that I am going to read it aloud to another person. And for me, I did my fifth step with my sponsor. And why, why would I do this? Why was I willing to do this? because I wanted recovery I wanted what I saw and heard in these recovered people and step 84 kept telling me that if I did this work I would get this and on page 72 it says the the 100 recovered says if we skip this vital step we may not overcome drinking that if we don't do it, we are going to pick up again. We are going to eat again. So I've been through step four, I've cleaned my house, and I like to look at it as, you know, um, I'm, I'm house cleaning. I'm sweeping, I'm dusting, I'm taking all this garbage, I'm, you know, going through each room of my house here and I'm doing a thorough cleaning. I'm dusting, I'm cleaning, I'm vacuuming, I'm moving, I'm moving the furniture. And I'm collecting all this trash and I'm putting it in a great big huge trash bag. So I've done all this and I've got this big trash bag and it's by the door. Now my house looks cleaner. I'm looking around my house and it looks pretty clean, but that trash bag is still sitting there by the door. So now I have to take more action and I need to take this trash bag out of my house and go bring it to the dumpster and dump it. And this is step five to me. I'm going to read all that I have written in my fourth step to my sponsor. And I'm going to read this aloud. And, you know, because it says in a big book, our, um, our self-appraisals didn't work. And I don't know about you, but I've got a stack of journals here from over the years where each time I started a new diet or whatever, I would have a new journal and I would just write my stories in my journals, you know. And I look back on them now and it's funny because all I was doing was reliving my resentments, you know. The woe is me. I was telling my, my poor stories. I didn't learn anything from that. But I certainly was shown and was learning from doing the four-step inventory. Um, so I went to my sponsor's house, and we sat at her dining room table. She lit a candle, and I was and said that this was um, um, to represent God was in our presence. His light was there. And so it was It was God, my sponsor, and myself. And I was nervous, and I didn't know what to expect, but I started reading. And I read to her and read to her and read to her for hours. And we did this three different times that I went to her house and I read my four-step inventory to her. Now, in the process of doing this, of doing your fifth step, you know, I was learning humility here. I was, I was learning to uh, humble myself by reading this to her and to God. I was learning to be honest here, to be totally honest with another person. And some of it was serious and some of it was funny. And I was, you know, I was getting that I needed to have. Uh, I learned that, you know, I could be forgiven. It was a very calming, very loving atmosphere that this was done. There was no judging. In what an experience. And so I gave her my fifth step. And I also realized from that that. Um, when it was finished, of course I was brain dead, but there was a lot of relief. And I was looking at the 12 and 12 last night and it said, what do we get out of doing this? And on thinking back, I agreed with a lot of what I read. I got a sense of not being in isolation, of not being as lonely after doing this. I got a sense of having a better relationship with God and with this lady. I got a feeling that of being forgiven, of no matter what I had done. There was no judging here in this atmosphere. And I also got a feeling that, you know, Monica, you can forgive others. You can forgive others too. That It was teaching me that all around forgiveness is a good thing. And so I did have a great sense of relief and a presence of God. And then I took my hour, my hour of thinking... Of, of of quiet meditation, of going back over the first five steps and praying to God and asking God, had I withheld anything? And so Monica had to go back through her house and look very carefully everywhere here. Had I hidden something under the bed? Had I kept something under the bed? Had I kept something hidden behind in that closet there? I was a good one for hiding things in the oven. Was there anything in the oven that I hadn't told her about? Was there anything that I had withheld from her and God? And so I called her back at the end of that hour and we talked. And I said that I did not feel that I had withheld everything, that I had given her everything. And then we were on to step six and seven. And so that was my experience with step five. Don't fear it. It is such a relief getting all this garbage out of us. And so if you want recovery, you want what these 100 recovered people are, are telling you you can have, work through the steps to the best of your ability with a sponsor, and it can be yours too. And today my life is happy, joyous, and free. And I live steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis because I don't want to go back to where I was. And I have been blessed with an 80-pound release, and I have gone from busting out of 22s to a size 10. Thank you, God, and I thank you all for listening.
0: Thank you very much, Monica. And now I welcome Marsha to the line.
2: Hi, this is Marsha. I'm a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater.
0: Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, A Vision for You.
0: Um, my name is Marsha.
2: As I said, I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today uh, by the grace of my higher power. Um I've been in program since March of 1993 and I've been abstinent since April 19th 2009. Um, uh I can start to uh, try and and speak a bit about uh how things started for me. I was a chubby child. Uh grew up chubby, uh grew up um with a mother who knew how to cook. And um so I've been a compulsive overeater since almost the beginning. Uh, there's never been a time when sugar or food wasn't something that I sought. Uh, my toddler pictures show a clearly chubby child. Uh, as a five-year-old, I recall lying to get chocolate milk. As a, a six-year-old, I compete uh, with my sister for eating uh, icing out of the icing bowl when my mother would make brownies. Uh, as an eight-year-old, I stole a girl's bubble gum from her cubbyhole at summer camp, Uh My uh, parents pretty much despaired of my weight, and uh, when I was eight years old, they'd sent me to a diet doctor, and uh, he put me on amphetamines for the first time, and uh, that didn't last for very long. But uh, I do recall those little orange triangular pills that uh, used to keep me pretty much awake most of the time. My parents also tried to send me to the paying ways um, I'd went probably three times before I was in the fifth grade, uh, pretty much to no avail. Um, the attempts to diet when I was a child, uh, pretty much failed. And quite honestly, I wasn't all too fired up about the idea of dieting anyway. Uh, I was a pretty happy kid. I, I pretty much had the, the world on a string in, in my opinion, when I was that, when I was a young, uh, when I was a young child. Um. I love to eat. Uh woe unto anybody in my family who ate the last piece of anything, it was mine. I I guess you could say my family had something of a prima donna in me uh to deal with when it came to food and and I had a lot of other interests. I, I loved to sing, I loved to draw, uh I loved to act and, and do things in school plays and food was something of a hobby. Um, but I was uh I was pretty selfish and self-centered and obstinate and argumentative and competitive and unapologetic, and I was just mean. And and these only got worse when I became a teenager, um, only because I started to feel the pain of what being fat really was. Um, The ostracism, the the humiliation, I I was picked on, bullied, I was spat on, um, humiliated, sometimes even physically assaulted. um, And when I would come home, my only relief from that uh, daily barrage of pain was food. Uh, it was. It was, became more than just a hobby, it became my, my lifestyle, my comforter, uh, my boyfriend, the only thing that understood me. My parents didn't understand me, my family didn't understand me, my friends didn't understand me, but food made me feel good, or at least it just made me not feel at all. Um, as a teenager, I was angry, I was controlling, I was afraid. All the time, very shy, painfully shy, extremely self-involved, um, inconsiderate of my family, my siblings. Uh, I was dishonest. Um, the whole the whole shooting match. I was not a very pleasant person to be around as a teenager. Um, always shouting matches in the house. Um, always wanting my way. Always lamenting the fact that no one. No one understood where I was coming from. My family was held hostage uh, to these moods, and God forbid my parents suggest a diet. I mean, you know, here here I go to school all day, and all everybody picks on me and calls me names and, and, and hurts me, and I come home and my parents add on to it, just pile on. I mean, it's just another peanut gallery of people who wouldn't accept me. And I did try the diets, as many as I could. I made a few uh, on my own. Um, They all failed, or, you know, I guess you could really say I failed them. Um, I I just didn't understand why I couldn't stop eating. I wanted to stop eating. I wanted to be thin. Um, It was such a simple thing for crying out loud. I mean, just all I had to do was just put down the food, and I would lose weight. Uh, Put down the food, do a little exercise. Finally, I'd get down to be thin, and I'd have a boyfriend I always wanted, I'd be able to wear the cute clothes that I couldn't wear um I'd be able to go back and act in school plays again. I mean, my life could finally begin, um but that never happened, and that that continued on through to college um uh, things got a little better more emotionally um as you know the hormones of a teenager kind of died down but um but I never really could succeed at dieting. I tried to do it in college um but and but I never could and I I I just grew more and more resentful over the years and, and fearful and my and my life was not panning out as I wanted as a young adult I was uh, working mediocre jobs and I was struggling with coworkers and still struggling with family and 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 by the time I was 28 years old I had uh ate myself up to nearly 300 pounds um I was a very angry woman I wanted what I wanted and wasn't getting it. And my family continued to disappoint me. My coworkers were unreliable. My bosses were incompetent. My jobs were beneath me. In my mind, I was a victim of life. God made me fat. My mother made me fat because she was a great cook. Others made me fat because they, they left these food parties that I had to eat. Didn't they see that I didn't need that? Well... <laughs> That was pretty much who I was as a person, um, leading up to uh, pretty much the, the first successful diet I had been on, and I had managed to lose about 135 pounds on a commercial weight not loss program. Of course, a, a lot of that I I would purge my way down to uh, down to that weight. And boys started to look at me. Guys, I don't say boys, but guys started to look at me at work, and I started to feel attractive. I started to feel like a, a human being for the first time in my life, and so when it came to uh, here, I am this young woman who's about you know 31 years old, and hey, life is starting to really co- come my way. Hey, wow, great! And then my mother passed away suddenly of a heart attack, and and um, a- and my life just kind of fell apart then because then i um, my mother had already been a widow my father died when i was 17 um and now i had two adult siblings and a uh, pretty much a dysfunctional relationship with all of us together um we somehow ended up living in the same house together as adults and it was it did not work out very well and um the fighting and the shouting and the controlling and the uh, that that didn't go away and and somehow the weight was coming back on me And it was just uh, one thing after another was piling up on me. And I was on the floor of my kitchen when a friend got on the phone with me and I started telling him everything that was going on in my life. And he told me that I I needed to get help. And those are the most wonderful words um, a friend could ever tell another friend. And so with that in mind, I did seek help from um, my employer Uh, assistance program. Um, I was found to be clinically depressed at the time and uh, and because I I felt like really was. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do anything. I was binging and purging but the weight was coming on so you can imagine the kind of food that I was shoving into my body at the time and uh, I was completely back into the food. Uh, The diet had had failed me again and um, uh, but it did finally get me to a place where they said you need to go to OA. And so eventually I did find my way to the rooms of OA and March 15th, 1993 is the first OA meeting and I did find, oh my goodness, here's a place where people really understand what this is, what's going on here. Why why I can't hey, I've got I've got a disease. I didn't fully concede or I didn't uh, fully understand the nature of it. I mean, I, I kind, of, kind of read a little bit of the big book, but it really wasn't my primary book that I worked with. Um, I worked with uh, OA literature and I worked with sponsors, kind of, sort of. Um, and uh, I got to the fourth step and did something of the fifth step. But in my mind, I didn't feel the need to completely reveal the worst of who I was. I mean, to my mind, I'm surely just admitting this to God was enough and admitting it to myself. That was enough, right? Well, I can tell you right now, those are the half measures that the big book speaks of, and uh, and I'm here to tell you they indeed avail us nothing. Uh, the big book is very clear about our inventory. Um, I had had a series of sponsors uh, in program, and I did another fourth and fifth step, and again, I, I didn't reveal all of me to another human being um so my first uh 12 years in oa were pretty much a lesson in half measures so you know my my amends were kind of hey i'm sorry i did that to you when we were kids yeah, yeah yeah and and that was pretty much the level of of uh humbleness that i got myself to which was virtually nothing um the paragraph at the bottom of 72 in the big book describes this uh really really clearly and uh essentially it says we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. And so um I never really did get that. I never really did do do that to to the best of my ability. Um I never fully humbled myself, and as the big book so, says, the result was nil. Um, so you can imagine I, I went into full-blown relapse um, after 12 years in the program, um, and it was about near—it was nearly four years that I was in relapse. I was back into the food full swing. It was like the disease, you know. It was. It, it had kicked right in instantaneously. It had it, it. had never gone away. It was there. It was full blown. It was daily, daily, daily. Had to have this. I had to eat this. Oh my gosh! I, I ran out of this. I have to go to get this. Almost every day, I was in the grocery store buying something, buying cake, buying donuts, buying potato chips, buying pizza, buying. Just I just had to have, had to have this. I had to have this, and even I tried to walk past it, I would try to walk past it and I'd get to the cash register and I'd turn around and I'd go back and I'd get it and I had lost some weight in in OA in the beginning. I had lost about seventy pounds and um, but I was still about two hundred and five. And, uh somewhere in I was above two hundred and i never really uh never really could get down there but i was always at a point in this program like like hey seventy pounds is enough i mean my gosh i mean this is really good i'm i'm not almost three hundred pounds this has to be this has to be enough right this is this is enough but um my the entire first part my o a uh history part one was was an exercise in in uh, uh, it's good enough it's good enough um, but I saw what good enough got me. Good enough got me into a terrible, terrible relapse. And so I gained uh, nearly all of that weight back that I had lost. And so here I was about 200 and um, – almost 270 pounds again and miserable and, and tired and um, just, just – I couldn't understand what the heck – I had done, I, I knew where the answer was. I knew I needed to go back to OA. I mean, I'd gone to the meetings, but I was just sitting there and just, just not not participating, not engaging, and so there came a point where I made an excuse for myself that I didn't even have to go to the meetings anymore, and so for uh, from July of 2008, I, I stopped going to OA meetings, and in uh, the meanwhile, I just kept binging and binging occasionally purging and binging, binging some more and and I was an absolute miserable person um, by some miracle in January of two thousand and nine, I came back to the program. a very, very dear o a friend never forgot me she would ever she would call me every once in a while and do the services of saying, "Hey, haven't seen you and me for a while? We really miss you." And and she she was just the sweetest most wonderful person and I, to me that was my higher power talking to me through her she was his vessel and she was the one who kept kept throwing out the line the lifeline and uh, finally I, I I took it I took it and. It's a miracle that I can't say was anything but my higher power. I came back to OA. I came back to my meeting, my uh, regular meeting in uh, January of 2009, and I put down the sugar. I became abstinent at that point, um, but then I, I don't call my abstinence until April of 2009 when I gave up flour and pastas. I didn't get a sponsor um, and I knew that I couldn't do this without a recovered sponsor, I just knew it. I, I had it in my head and, and, and even though I'd been abstinent and staying away from my binge foods and I was losing a little bit of weight uh, getting that physical recovery, it took me a year until we uh, had our local convention where I saw um, a, a woman that I have known for many, many years and I knew she had long-term abstinence, been in the program longer, far longer than I had and she was a big book thumper and she just gave a big book talk and I was sitting there listening to her and I said, hmm, I wonder if she's available to sponsor me. And um, and again, higher power was there because at the end of the meeting I went up to her and I said, um, um, would you be available to sponsor me? Because I guess God knew I needed a butt kicker and she's a butt kicker and and God said, okay, she's available. And there she was. She said, yes, I'm available. This is how I do it. I do it the big, big book way. I don't do it any other way. Um, I got abstinent using the big book, and that's how I sponsor people. And uh, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your mother. I'm not your uh, best friend. Uh, I am your sponsor. And I, um, I, this is how I do things. So I went, yes, ma'am, and I was ready. Um, and I started working the steps with her, started really, really working the steps the way they were supposed to be worked. Um, I fully conceded powerlessness in step one, um, fully, fully. Uh, and in, in step two, I, I found uh, my higher power. I realized how much my higher power had been in my life and worked through step three. I, I did step three on my knees in front of my home group, Uh on my knees and my home group, I did step three, and then I started working on step four. I had done a couple of step fours before, as I had said, with other sponsor, sponsor sponsors and i i I told you that they were they were not completely done and i uh, i I really really had to 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 put everything down this time I knew I had to I, I knew it. It was uh, it was almost instinctual. Um, I knew that this had to be done. I had to be entirely honest about everything. Um, and I think that where it, it says um, we have to po- we ha- we have to pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past, and I did it. I, I, I did it. I, I gave her. I, I finally sat down with her, and I was scared to death. After I had written everything on my fifth step, I was I was frightened. I was absolutely frightened. And the days leading up to it, I would go on my morning or my weekly or not, my my walks, and I would I would be praying to God, praying to God, to help me get through this. Help me get through this. I am so scared. I am so scared. Um. There were so many aspects, there were a few aspects of my inventory that I just did not want to talk about to anybody, to anybody. They were just so wretched and so bad. Um, What was she going to think of me? And worse, worse, I kept thinking, what am I going to have to do in my ninth step to make amends? But she assured me that, hey, this is just the fifth step. Let's worry about the ninth step when we get there. And, uh, you know, let's live in right now. Right now it's inventory. Right now we have to clear that all out because as long as I hang on to that, as long as I allow that stuff to stay in me, then I will carry it around just like the weight I've been carrying around. And I will carry that weight around. Um, So I I did sit down with my sponsor. Uh, The first time I met with her, um, it was in a chapel of a hospital, I gave her uh, the first part of my inventory, and it took a couple of hours. Um, we met at another time, uh, and I gave her the more, more sorted parts of my, my fifth step. And uh, I was armed with a, a whole lot of tissues, uh, and I cried through the vast majority of my my, my second time, um, my second part of my my fifth step. There was so much shame uh, with my behaviors and the harm that I'd caused others. And I did cause harm. I really did. Um, and at the end of it all, she told me she loved me and explained that uh, holding on to these would keep me fat. So this is, this is a very important step. I'd never find peace with food until I could find peace with my past. And I had to understand what it was that, Got me to where I was with food is that I had to learn that I was a selfish, self-seeking, dishonest uh, person that I had to I had to fully conceive these before not just myself, not just God. I had to really lay it on the line with with another human being. I absolutely had to do that and I could not hold back anything. I had to give it all and working it with in the big book, um, I did go home. I did find a quiet place, and, and I and I racked my brain to see if there was anything that I had missed. And um, there, uh, there might have been one or two things that I, I I came back with later. They they were incidentals, and 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 I did go through those. But um, eventually, I um, I could see what getting that all out had done. For me and and, um, having the the ability to trust was probably the most important thing to trust that my higher power was going to catch me when I finally let go Um, then I could I can move on to step six and seven many many of those things the character defects that I had cited in my fifth step many of them I had already um um let go of but uh there was still a lot that was still there, a lot of shame, a lot of regret, a lot of wishing that I could take back the past, and, uh, and I knew I couldn't, so I had to deal with um, clearing away that wreckage um, in, a, in, a, in a new way, in a way that was going to allow me to live free of food. Um, I've gone through uh, all the steps. I do ten, eleven, and twelve on a daily basis. I, I had to do a, a mini fifth step while I was uh, anticipating holiday dinner uh, last night. Um, the thing is about uh, about life is that you know people are still in your lives and you still have family members. They're you know, you know they they are. Uh, I love them dearly, um, I, I try very hard and, and at accepting them as they are, but I am human and uh, sometimes I have my, my fears and my uh, resentments kind of come out and my, my hopes for them, I, well I should say my premeditated resentments and my and setting expectations and hoping that things go better at this holiday dinner than they did the last holiday dinner, um, but, but I'm human i'm human and i'm progressing and i got on the phone with my sponsor and i just let her have, i said i am afraid i i am i just don't want this to happen i don't want this to happen i don't want that and i and and my sponsor said i hear a lot of i in that and uh you're really not letting god's will come in this at all you just have to pray to god ask for god's will in this and uh and see what what god says and uh you know of course she's right and when i was laying there on a thursday morning in in meditation i was just uh, i got the answer that i needed and the answer from my higher power was it's going to be okay you're going to be able to take care of yourself you're a grown woman you know how to handle this now you you and and you know you know that food i mean it didn't even occur to me that food was going to be what, be the way to handle this it didn't even cross my mind that i was going to have to eat my way into not feeling this not a not a glimmer of thought that I was going to eat eat my way out of this, and that's the miracle of this program. That's the miracle of working the steps. And I truly truly believe in working the steps, the Big Book way. It's the only way that I was able to get through all twelve steps to to have a hundred and forty pound weight loss, to be wearing a size eight, size ten, and. Uh, and to be able to sponsor people in the same way, and to see the growth and and the change in them as their higher powers are working for them in their lives, um, I am absolutely 100% convinced that the Big Book is my uh, redemption. As far as the, the higher powers' words are absolutely inspired. And, and uh, Bill W. to me is an angel, a, a, a vessel of higher power. And uh, I thank God each and every day for bringing OA into my life. It has helped me to deal with my family. It has helped me to deal with my friends. It has helped me to deal with coworkers. It has in, improved my life in, in in so many in so many areas. I, I people that I used to resent co-workers that I just could not tolerate, family members whose behaviors were just previously uh, unacceptable to me, are now just people, they're, they're just God's children to me. They're, they are God, they're doing the best they can, and, and I have to do the best I can to accept them as they are and pray to God for their well-being, for their happiness, for everything that I want for myself, I am uh, more at peace in my life than I have been at any any point in my life. Uh, I, I, my relationships are so much better. This could not have happened without OA. This could not have happened without the big book. Uh, I am grateful beyond words. Uh, I am blessed beyond anything that I thought I deserved. And I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to tell my story. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much, Marsha, for sharing your experience, and Monica as well. We now open the line to anyone that may have a question they'd like to direct to our speakers, Monica or Marsha. Press star one to unmute.
3: Hi, this is Kathy. I'd like to ask a question. Please go ahead. Okay, thanks, Leah. Thank you both for your uh very, very valuable shares. I got so much out of listening. And um what I would really welcome is to hear a little bit more from each of you about how you work ten, eleven, and twelve on a daily basis. Um that's something that um I've been uh exploring in my own recovery and just wondered what others do to uh keep the house clean and uh continue to do service and so on. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy.
0: Monica, can we start with you please? Sure. Um
1: Steps 10, 11, and 12. Well, you know, in the big book here, we've got specific directions for steps 10, 11, and 12. And on page 84, my famous page 84, um, I have instructions here of what to do every day, you know. Number one, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, So every day I'm on the lookout for this stuff, you know, for the little resentment thought that might come in. Or if I start feeling a little fearful, um, the big book then goes on and tells me and gives me instructions of things to do. And it says, number one, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. So if I've opened my mouth and said something not so nice to my husband, let's say, I will very quickly apologize and make amends to him and say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. That was totally uncalled for. And I should not have said that. So I'm, I'm cleaning my house up as I go along. Um, and then the instructions go on also to say we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So if we're still if I'm still having issues with some resentment or something, I've asked God to remove it, but it's still playing around in my head. Um I, you know, I can talk call another recovered person and talk with them about it. And the other thing I'm being told to do is, you know, Monica, get out of yourself. How can you be a help to somebody else? You know, call somebody else up. Um, Do something nice for somebody. You know, get out of yourself. Um, So I really try to be aware of this and live this on a daily basis, to keep my house clean daily. And if I do this daily, then... You know, I go to bed at night, I'm full of prayer and and gratitude, it's been another great day, thank you God, and I haven't had to eat. Um, And then 11 and 12, 11, uh, meditation, I do start in my day with prayer, Um, end my day with prayer and I find myself the longer I'm in here that I more and more throughout the day, I am offering prayers, you know. And sometimes prayers can just be, you know, God, please help me. I'm a crazy woman here. <laughs> I need your help. And service. Um, when I was brought through the uh, Big Book with my Big Book Step Study, uh, I made a commitment at Step Three that I part of the uh, commitment was that I would that I would carry this message. That I would freely give this message to others who are still suffering. So I do a lot of sponsoring um and it's such a pleasure it's such a pleasure and that's what i do I, I just really try to keep on top of it every day be aware and follow and do these instructions that i've been given to keep my house clean thanks
0: thank you monica and marcia please
2: sure sure um my, uh, for my tenth step i have this wonderful thing it's a 10 step journal and um it's uh something that uh, has space for me to put down what my food for the day. It has a, an area where I can write about whatever um, daily reading there is. Um, it talks about gratitudes you know today I thank God for and and gives me five things to be uh, gr- uh grateful for and uh i I am also to it also gives me the evening review. Um, today was I resentful was I selfish was I dishonest jealous or fearful was I irritable restless or discontented was I kind and loving towards all do I owe an apology what did I do for others what could I have done better what did others do for me what did I do well and uh, I ask in the end uh, it's a freedom from bondage prayer from the Alcoholics Anonymous page 552 Um, I, I ask uh, grant me freedom from whatever character defect I have and replace it with a character asset. And um, and also praying for the health, prosperity, and happiness and well-being of, of people I might have resentments for. Um, if there's something that I need to uh, address with my sponsor, which I had this week, um, something you know came up about family issues and some fears that I had and certain resentments that I had, um, I, I did talk with my sponsor about it and I, I did go through what was my what was my part in this? What what's what is my what is going on with me that I have this fear stirred up in me. And within twenty four hours after talking actually more like within uh twelve hours of talking with her about it, I got the answer that I needed. My higher power provided for me. Um so, so prayer and meditation work. I can tell you that. I mean, I went to bed afraid, and I woke up with an answer from my higher power, and so I was able to get through the the rest of that day, a far more serene and at peace with uh, with uh, what was going to be. You know, whatever whatever the outcome of my family dinner <laughs> was going to be, it was that was God's will, and I. What I feel and what I want and, and uh, how I want things to go don't enter into it. Uh, this is—it's uh, just this, this is just the way it's going to be, and I have to accept my family as they are, and I can live with that. I can live with that. So, um, so I do pray in the morning. I, I do the Serenity Prayer, the Third Step Prayer, the Seventh Step Prayer and then you know there, there sometimes during the day where i have to pray i'm in the middle of a meeting and something is going on a little bit longer than i you know uh, than i had anticipated and that, that was a mistake all you know right right there but uh just just praying and and I, sometimes i write little notes in the corner of my my paper at work and and i just say i just ask god just here sit 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 by me for a little bit i'm i'm feeling a little anxious and and it all, and that immediately um brings me into uh uh, feeling of calm, and um, and then of course at night I, I do a list of gratitudes of what I'm thankful for, what happened during the day. Did I harm anybody? Do I really need to make an amends to anybody? Um, I, I am blessed right now with the I I am immediately able to um, if I if I do say something that's out of line, I, I catch it immediately and I I stop myself. Or I make an amends immediately. Um, I, I, I try to live my life in a way that I don't have to make an amends to people, and that's how I, I, I'm far more. I listen more. I listen more in meetings, and I try. I, I have a, um, a sense of humor. and Sometimes it's it can be a little too. It, it can inject a little too much interruption, and so I've I have determined that, or, and God has removed from me. Um, for the most part, my uh, my my tendency to you know pop in an occasional joke in the middle of a meeting where it might otherwise be inappropriate. So I'm far more quiet and co- contemplative in meetings, and I listen more, and I try to understand more, and 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 then it, it just it's just different. It's, I'm just a different person than who I was before. Um, as far as um, step twelve, I, I do a lot of service. Um, I I am a sponsor. I have three sponsees currently. I am a region representative, world service delegate. Um, I um, do the website for a vision for you. I update that daily, and. Um, and I help out wherever I can. Um, I, I speak when I'm asked to speak. Um, I'm our program chair for our convention uh, coming up in the spring. And um, I, I, I try to carry the message the best of my ability. And in, uh, for in other areas of my life, um, people who know that I have lost weight and they've, they've asked how I've done it, I tell them. I tell them I did it through Overeaters Anonymous. That's what, what worked for me after all these years. And uh, so I, I think that that's carrying the message to some, to the people who don't know what's going on. I, I try to answer questions for newcomers. I'm a, a contact person for my uh, Wednesday night meeting. And so whenever they call and they want to learn more about OA, I serve in that way. and uh, just wherever I can I, I, I became very very excited for the first time when I started working these steps like they were supposed to be work I got very excited about becoming a sponsor and giving back what was given so freely to me um, this program works and, and I, I can't I can't hang on to it and, and and hoard it to myself it has to be shared it absolutely has to be shared and with that I will pass
0: Thank you, Marcia. And thank you to Kathy
3: for the question. Leah, may, may I ask one follow-up to uh, Marcia, please? Um, Go ahead. Uh, Marcia, you mentioned um, you have a 10-step journal. Is that something you created, or is that something you got from program?
2: Um, the program? A couple of regions have uh, these for sale. They sell them as, as um, um Fundraisers, and mm-hmm. my re- my region has a daily journal. I think region seven has a daily journal. Um, there, there are a few other regions out there that have. Uh, if you go to the region four website, which is okay. OA region four, and then it's the numeral four four dot org, um, they have those for sale. You can buy those online.
3: Okay, thank you very much. Thank you both for your very thorough responses. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Kathy.
0: Yes, thank you, Marsha and Monica and, of course, Kathy for the question. Anyone else? A question related to Step 5? Or anything I just, that
4: hi, was... just calling. I have a question.
0: Yes, go ahead.
4: Um, this question is just from Marsha. Mark, you mentioned you a couple of sponsors. Um, how did you find the right sponsor for you? Uh, how did I find
2: the right sponsor for me? I think... I think my higher power kind of just flicked me in the back of the head at this big book study meeting to, and when this woman was speaking. I have known I have known my sponsor for nearly as long as I have been in L.A., so going on nearly 20 years. But I didn't have the nerve to ask her to be my sponsor until March of 2010, and uh, she's been my sponsor ever since. Um, uh, okay. She's a big book thumper, she uh, has been able yeah. to maintain a normal weight for uh, yeah.
5: more that's than 20 sure.
2: years. Be involved in, oh, it's that's beautiful. That's
0: yes. This morning. So. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get started. Uh,
2: sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Marsha, I'm going to clear the line and then okay. you'll press star one to unmute. Thank you. All right, thanks. Marcia, thank you. Star one to unmute. Okay, can you hear me? Indeed. Okay,
2: and I'm sorry, I missed that last was uh, that
5: last question.
0: Perhaps that was some background noise.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Um, a- anyway, um, I-, I was inspired uh, to get my. Um, I was inspired by a power greater than me to ask this woman to sponsor me, and uh, it was it was a, a really uh, it was a very important inspiration because she has uh, helped to change my life, and uh, she will never accept that she herself did it. She she uh, is very humble and uh, very much a spiritual person, and she's extremely knowledgeable in many facets of. Of OA and other areas, and and has been um, a godsend in 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 a literal sense. So I hope that answers the question.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, mhm. Any other questions? Star one to unmute.
3: Hi, this is Marsha from Maryland. I like to ask both
2: Monica and Marcia uh if they are sponsoring at this time or are they pretty much close to that? This is Marcia. I do have um I, I do I am full with sponsors right now. Uh, or sponsees right now. Um I, I I, I work a full-time job, so uh, I try to do my best uh, to uh, to to keep full three sponsee, full-time sponsees going at at uh, you know without becoming too overwhelmed, but so I am full right now. Thank you. Mhm. Hello, this
6: is Rose. Um I do have a question for um both Rose, one moment.
0: Monica, did you want to respond to Martha's question as well. Martha's
1: question. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, too, at the moment, um, I usually have, uh, I will take three at one time who are going through the reading process, because that takes the most time. Uh, So right now I do have three people reading, um, and usually that takes uh, a month, well, it takes a little while. So if you want to contact me in about... A month's time, I may have an opening at that time, Um, um, and I sponsor using the big book exclusively.
3: Thank you very much. And what state are you in? Florida. Thanks.
0: And back to you, Rose. Thank you,
6: Um, Monica and Masha. I wanted to say thank you, like super big thank you. I just finished writing my fourth step and I'm gonna make an appointment today to do my fifth step so this is like so speaks to me and um in particular, um, Monica, the thing that you said that you got a sense of being forgiven and um and being able to forgive other people really, um really, really, really spoke to me. I'm grateful for um everything that you shared that one really pierce me because um, I pray and hope I, too, will have that sense at the end of my fifth. And, um, and Masha, you said one thing in particular, also that um, you'd never find peace with food until you had peace with the past. And I just, you know, I feel like you're inside my skin, both of you. And I'm really um, grateful to God and to both of you for sharing all that you did. Um, the the question I have is um, my sponsor is in Massachusetts I'm in New York and um, today I'll be talking to her about um, when I'll do my fifth and and, I want to do it face to face is the bottom line and I've got a family situation that will be keeping me here in New York for perhaps at least a couple of weeks I think, you know, to my daughter's back on her feet and so um, I have mentioned this to um, program friends, but I'm just wondering what both of you feel um, about doing the fifth step face-to-face or over the telephone. I, I have to admit I don't like the thought of doing it over the phone because, you know, it's spoiled Rose would rather do it perfectly in a perfect situation that I think. So I do want to offer it to God, though. And um, I figure if I ask the both of you, um, that'll that'll be a big starting place for me to surrender how it's to be done. So with that,
0: I'll pass. It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Thank you.
1: Um, I have done it both ways. I have done fifth step face-to-face. When that is possible, that's, of course, the ideal way of doing it. But I do have sponsees all over the world, and I have done some over the phone. Um, I was just thinking that something that might work for you both would be if you would do it by Skype, um, if you have a computer that is, and you have a camera on your computer, and um, you can, you know, she can see you and you can see her. Uh, that might be a way of doing this, uh, uh, so then you could get going and get this done as quickly as possible. Um, I just thought I, you know, that might uh, mm. might be a possibility
4: for you.
6: I'll definitely look into it. Thank you. Yeah.
4: Thank uh you. this is
2: Marcia. I uh, my sponsees uh, are are local except for one. Uh, one is uh, is long distance, and we were just kind of comp- contemplating uh, the other day what was the best way to do it because she does have an option to do it face to face with someone that she has been working with previously so we're um we're kind of working through that right now um the ideal obviously as monica had said is to do it face to face but i know it is possible to do it long distance and as monica suggested skype is a great idea and um and yeah i mean that any if there is a possible way to do it that way then then maybe maybe give that a shot and uh other than that, I, I think it, I, I have uh, my sponsor does it long distance as well, so uh, it, it will work. You know, the only the only really way it won't work is to not do it at all. So, however you can do it is, uh, you know, as long as you're doing it, that's the most important thing.
5: That's great. Yeah, I,
1: I I agree. I agree. Get it done. Um, and and like Marcia said. You no, know, there's always that possibility of having somebody else listen to your fifth step.
6: Yeah, that's great. Thank you both. And Masha, what Masha are you? There's a Masha B and a Masha S. I'm Masha B. You're Masha B. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you both so much. You're welcome. You're
3: welcome.
0: Thank you, Rose, for the question. Any other questions?
7: my name is Hava. Can I share?
0: Hello, Hava. Go ahead. This is question period. Yes, go ahead, Hava.
7: Okay. So I'd like to thank you for um, uh, beautifully relating your um, um, ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and about resentment, what I wanted to add here is that I read a very a nice, um I don't know if to call it parable because they said that it's a true happening that one teacher told the children, uh, the class to bring, um uh, to bring potatoes and, um to the class and then she made them write down, uh, resentments and, uh, for every reason, resentment against anyone that they had, they had to put one potato in the sack. And the next thing she instructed them to carry along this sack with them wherever they went through the day, whatever they did, uh, whether they played or, um, uh, went to eat or, uh, about their daily activities, always have this sack with them, uh, as an experiment. And so it went on and at the end of the week, uh, the, that started getting smelly and messy. And then the teacher told them that um this is what happens when you carry around resentment uh you carry a burden, and at the end only you suffer from it because the thing gets uh, messier than uh it started with and uh by uh explaining that to them, she told them how to get rid of resentments that when they get rid of the resentment they uh, really help themselves and they get clear of the burden. And I thought that this was so, so um, um, relevant to carrying around resentments because uh, we can carry resentments for years and the things just get magnified and at the end of the time, sometimes you don't even remember what the resentment started as. Uh, and and, uh, the issue became so big. And when you start writing about it and getting rid of it, uh, the mind gets clear and uh, the the burden is much lighter. So that's what I wanted to share today. So thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Chava. And Rachel, did you have a question, please?
8: Yes. uh, No, just I wanted to thank you so much for this uh, session. Couldn't have come at a better time for me. I'm very glad to be with my children, but their way of life is very different from mine, and um, and I miss my home. And I'm more or less in a very luxurious solitary confinement because I did not rent a car and I'm not driving here. And to uh, being, you know, uh, live in the woods and uh, not have a community around you, is not what I'm used to. It's very different. And I'm trying to see all the good parts of it, uh, see all the good, they're living a beautiful life and and they're very positive people, but um, but I'm going through a lot of, of pain of uh, being a brat. I would have liked things to be my way. I would have liked all my children to be with me in Israel and having the same lifestyle that I have, which is not possible. Two are on the West Coast and two on the East Coast. And... Uh, with none of them do I have the comfort of being the way that that I, I the, the way that I am managing my life as a as a as a Jew as a Jewish woman and uh it takes a lot of effort to maintain what I need to have my own dishes and to have my own uh to take care of my own Sabbath and uh no way, you know, to run away and go to uh, somebody from the community are probably Beit Chabad around here Excuse
0: me, Rachel. I just wanted to ask if you have a question for Marsha or yes. for Monica related to Step stepfather. Please. To, I, I, I was
8: just venting, but thank you for calling me on it. I just wanted to say thank you because, to, especially to Marcia, was describing to go, going to the family gatherings and things aren't the way that that you want them or ideally to be, and how to deal with it and. I am doing my best to deal with it, and I thank you for being there. And just I know all the things that you said that uh, to do uh, uh, from the big book, all the things that sweet Monica mentioned and that Marsha said that I need to do them daily, a lot of it. Thank you so much for being there. I pass. Thank you, Raquel.
2: Good
0: morning. Thank you. This is Susan with a question. Susan, please go ahead. Yes, hi. Thank you both so much, and thank you, Leah. Um, A question related to Step 4 slash Step 5. A couple of things. I wanted to know, um, did each of you designate a certain amount of time each day, and did you do your fourth step each and every day? Was that kind of part of the discipline, and if so, how much time did you allocate if it was that specific and then on your fifth step did you i've heard of some people even working with recovered sponsors who give it away a little bit at a time as they're working their fourth Uh, i got the impression from listening to your shares that you guys gave it away in one fell well not one fell swoop but like once you you finished the fourth and then started to give it away and i just wanted to hear both your thoughts on
4: uh both of those things thanks so much
1: Um, it's Monica Um, yes part of my uh, third step um, commitments um, when I took the third step with my sponsor was that I would write daily Um, and I honestly have to say that in the beginning I did not do that but I found that Once I made it part of my daily schedule, I I worked it into my life that a certain time of day in the morning worked best for me. I sat down and I did some writing. And um, I usually spent about an hour. Um, It didn't end up being every day of the week, but I was working four or five days a week on it. And, of course, you know, the more... um, the more that I consistently that I did it on a daily basis, the quicker I got through it. You know, and we do want to get through this as quick as possible. So Monica could have gone through it quicker than what she did if she'd been better at what she did to begin with. Uh, so that's on the, on the writing. And when I um, um, sponsor, uh, I also ask, because this is the way I was brought through, my sponsees to make a commitment that they will write daily on their fourth step when they get to that. And then I forgot what you asked about the fifth step. If you gave it away all at once. Oh, yes. Yes, I did all of my writing of my 4 step writing. And then I did the fifth step uh, with my sponsor. And I think, you know, the steps are in order and they're numbered for a reason. And that you need to do one before you move to the next one. And so... um, um i did do all of my writing now in the process of the writing there were times where i did review some of my writing with my sponsor and that was to make sure that i was doing um doing it correctly that i was doing a proper turnaround and looking at myself so we did so i did read to her some of the stuff as i was writing it to make sure that i was doing it properly that i was looking at myself the way i was supposed to be doing it this is marcia
2: um one thing that my sponsor always stressed while we were in the initial stages of, of working through the steps is she would just say, you're in a race against time. Um, you really need to st- work on this. And she she's something of a nudnik, and thank God for that, because um, I needed somebody who was going to press me for this. And I knew she was going to be the one that was going to press me to work the steps. So um, as far as, as getting through my fourth step, I worked through it daily, and uh as Monica said, for about an hour, I gave myself an hour uh hour hour and a half or however long I needed to get through and I started with you know obviously the names that I needed to put down and and the four lists and i and uh you know uh, my resentments, my fears, um my sex conduct, and who I'd harmed and went through and put down the people on the list. Then I put down why I resented them or, or why I, I had these fears. And then, you know, I did the whole, that just as the big book prescribes that we do it. And uh, I managed to get through it in um, probably less than two weeks. And uh, some, some people take longer, some people don't take quite as long. And some might suggest that it, it might not take, it might, it shouldn't take that long. But uh, you know that it, it took as long as it took for me to. I work a full-time job, and uh, and there are other other aspects. Of it. I'm not trying to to say that it wasn't important. It was absolutely important, and I and my sponsor made sure that she stressed the importance of it. Um but uh, it was important for her to continue to press me to get through it. And uh and, and that was something that that is something that I do with my sponsees. I do get on uh the phone with them and I say, Okay, how's that fourth step coming? Or how's that ninth step coming? Um I I think that is a, a, a part of my, my job as a sponsor is to make sure that they are working the steps. So um and it's something that my sponsor did for me. It set me free and I that's all I want for my sponsees is to be able to live happy, joyous, and free. And so I pressed them uh, to do that. And then as far as my fifth step goes, I did it all in uh, one fell swoop. A couple of sessions, but I did the list first and then sat down with my sponsor and gave it away. I also, just like Monica, I do believe in working the steps in order. So I hope that answers your question.
0: You both did. Thank you so much for being so thorough. You're welcome.
5: You're
0: welcome. Hi, this is Lisa from
5: South Jersey. Go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Um, Thank you so much, both of you, for uh, sharing your stories and and how to do Step 5. I have two questions. Uh, The first question, and either of you can answer, what suggestions do you have for people who are looking for a sponsor? And, like, you know, how important is it because I'm hearing, what I hear from this meeting and from all the meetings is, this is a, you know, we're this is a race against time. You know, we're sick, we need to recover. So how important is it for you to feel a certain level of, I guess, connection or comfortability with the person you're working with? And the second question is, um, the fifth step says give your um, – Give it away to God and to another person. um, How important is it in your? Do you think it is to give it to your actual the person who's sponsoring you, or to just like you know a priest or a therapist or whatever?
3: Um,
1: It's Monica. I think with a sponsor, what was important to me um was that she had recovered that she had something i wanted and she said i will be your guide i will guide you through these 12 steps and i said okay i want recovery um so in in my case she had something i wanted and that's why i i went Well, actually, there wasn't all that many sponsors available at the time, but basically it boiled down to she had what I wanted, and I wanted it. I wanted recovery. And so I was willing to do what I needed to do, and she guided me through the process. Um, And and how important do I think it is to give it to your sponsor? I mean, that's nice. It's very nice if we can do it with our sponsor because, you know, this lady worked with me, and... um, uh, had spent a number, you know, quite a bit of time talking with me and and um, going over things. And it's, you know, so she knew um, quite a bit about me before I did the fifth step with her. So that was nice. But I think more importantly is that we get it done. Um, and if it means uh, having somebody out to listen to it um, in order to get it done, I think that's okay too. And I'll pass. Thank Thank
2: you. Go ahead,
0: Marcia.
2: This is Marcia, and I think what's important is that on page bottom, very bottom of page 73, it says, we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom we take this intimate and confidential step. So, and it, it it essentially gives you permission to choose to whom you want to give this fifth step away um but i think the most important thing the key thing is thorough and honest uh, honestly giving it entirely away being entirely honest with somebody giving it completely and utterly away to whomever you choose to give it away so if your sponsor isn't somebody that you want to give it give it to you'd rather give it to a therapist you'd rather give it to um, um, a, a person of religious domina- denomination, a priest or pastor or rabbi or whomever. If you'd rather do that, then, then then that's your choice. But you know, pray on it, think think on it, and decide which is going to work for you. Um, but be honest and thorough in giving it away. Um, don't don't just say, okay, well, I didn't work with my sponsor on this one, so I will only do it halfway. Be thorough and give it completely. Away to another human being, um, with my sponsor, i knew I knew pretty much what I was going to hear from her from some of the things on my list, and I knew she was going to be honest with me. I absolutely knew, and I knew I needed that honesty I needed that um, I needed that brutal fact honesty from somebody who um who had the ability to give it to me who would not mince words who would you know essentially you know say it like it was i needed that i needed that as a um i don't want to say it was a a punishment i i just want to say it was a a, a brutal honesty about some of my behaviors i needed that i deserved it i think to hear it, and, and I, I and I, I thought that was the best thing for me as a person to hear that from another human being. Um, nothing wishy-washy. Nothing. Oh, it's okay, because some of it it was not okay. It was absolutely not okay. And um, um, but in the end, I knew I would also get the love. I knew it. I knew that this person was coming from a place of love, and. Um, And I knew that my higher power was working through her. I just knew it. Um, And I think that's
4: uh, that's all I had. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Thank you, Marsha.
4: Any other questions? I'd like to ask a question, please. I'm Ann from Texas, and I appreciated the the shares so much. They were very meaningful to me. And I'm going to ask a food question, and I hope it's applicable to other people. Um, I can handle myself abstinently in social situations very comfortably because abstinence is very important to me. I'm invited to my daughter's with her mother-in-law for a holiday dinner. I have a prickly relationship with her. She is fixing, well, it doesn't matter. It's something I don't eat or I don't want to eat. And her mother-in-law and my daughter are both very heavy. I have no idea if they're compulsive eaters. I suspect they are, but it's not my business. I am not heavy, and I am a compulsive eater. And it will be very obvious. Uh, I think I, I have a prickly relationship with my daughter. She's only making potato pancakes and sour cream and applesauce. And I guess... I. What I, what I think I was going to do was to just take one and pretend to eat it. And I don't want to be a phony, and I don't know how to handle this. And if it's applicable to wider situations and you care to comment it on, on it, I'd really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for the question. And Marcia or Monica would like to respond. Uh,
2: this is Marcia. It, when faced
0: with those situations, I say, thank
2: you, but I am allergic. I appreciate it, though, and that's really all I have to say. I'm allergic to certain foods, and and that's that's been made clear to me. Uh, I am allergic, and I think that most people, say, oh, oh, you have an allergy, they'll pretty much leave you alone, and and that should be it. Um, sometimes it's not, and this is well, you know, I I, I do appreciate your thoughtfulness in, in making this. But you know, I mean, there's really nothing more I have to say. I'm allergic, and it's not something that I can eat safely. Sorry, that's pretty much all I say.
4: Um, thank you. Thank you, Monica. Uh, And Monica. My son- okay, I'm sorry. Um, you, being,
1: you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I would. Um, You know, if possible, I I think I might um, talk with one of them and and say, like Marcia just said, you know, I'm allergic to this. Um, Can I bring something? Um, And So then you would have something that you uh, could have. Um, That might be a possibility, you know. Uh, And like Marcia said, I really like what she said, you know, uh thank you very much. I really appreciate, but I am allergic to this. You know it's being honest and um and it's something hopefully they can understand and relate to and then you you just you just that's it. You don't go into any details you just that's it but um, you know, I would try to plan or see if there was something I could bring um, or if there was something else that could be done, you know, so you have some choices when you're there so you're not faced with completely 100% uh, food that you cannot that you're allergic to you know have at least something that you could have and um, I'll pass with that
0: thank you so much any other questions related to step five before we close up shop this morning step five questions please hi Leah
3: this is Joyce good morning Joyce hi and uh, I I have a comment. Um, I am just starting my big book step study process uh, with a big book step study sponsor in another fellowship. But um, I find it just wonderful to hear what is coming, what's coming up for me. Um, and if I could sing, I would, there's a song that would be applicable. But I just thank you, Marcia and Monica, for presenting such a beautiful Um, picture of what is coming for those of us who can go through the big book steps. And uh, I thank you so much. My pleasure, Joyce. Thank you. You're very
0: welcome. Thank thank you so much. And thank you very much uh, to Monica and Marsha for offering us your time this morning and your efforts and, of course, sharing your experience related to Step 5 I will now close the meeting as we commonly do here on A Vision for You, and that is from the reading on page 164, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order.